0: Thank you so much again for trying this. We had a, a rehearsal, I guess, last week.
1: Well, I'm so grateful to be a guest on Lekwungen territory that's been cared for wonderfully over thousands of years. And I'm looking out at the Salish Sea and looking onto a beautiful garden that the Victoria Native Friendship Centre that has promised will always be kept green with it's being rewilded with indigenous plants Mm. and there's a wonderful edibles garden Mm. that we keep in mind that indigenous food security is a major focus as well Mm. so with that gratitude I'm thankful to be participating in this podcast with you Angelina and I'm grateful to hear about your wonderful foundation.
0: So I had a look at um, I just wanted to see what I could find on land back so I did a little bit of reading on that there was a couple of uh, videos that I was able to to find on Google and just I just wanted to get a little bit more information what that meant. And there was, um, I guess it began with a Indigenous man from the Southern Alberta, Blackfoot Nation. And um, and I think he created a manifesto and just an intention of what he wanted. And it and it's looked like to me it was to give back land in the purpose of building an economy
1: for Indigenous people. Is that correct? Well, there are so many versions. And with uh, my husband, and he, I guess over 30 years ago, learning that the Elma Brooks, an Indigenous elder in New Brunswick, was looking for land for healing for her people. Yeah. And I think it was, a focus on healing and not economy. Mm -hmm. Although at the time it was a a working farm. Yes. So um,
0: in between, did your husband already, was he able to finalize, did he give any land back or did that happen after he passed?
1: Oh, the it, it was before he passed. Okay. Yes, um, at first, because we had to purchase our place here in D.C. Oh. Okay. There was an attempt to fundraise so that it would be possible for us to manage the purchase of this place, but the the fundraising just didn't really amount to much. So um, it, it took a few years, but ultimately, after my parents passed on, and I came into an inheritance, mm. we were able to afford to pass the, the acreage on. That it's quite a large acreage, over two hundred and eighty acres, right together on the Nashua River. Mm. Yes. So, so that was
0: the first land
1: back, and that was in New Brunswick? That's right. And we heard that the United Nations commented that it was the first time in Canada that land had been returned to an Indigenous organization. Right. And not long before that, there was a gentleman in Nova Scotia who owned land adjacent to a reserve. He passed that land onto the reserve. Right. Wow. Okay. Well, that's amazing. So, what year would that have been? That was 1990. just, okay. just around the time of the Oka crisis. Yes. Yeah, so, I think it's really, really,
0: you know, exciting what what your husband and you have created in in giving the land back because not only is it symbolic, it also also is tangible. Like it's something that you can see, feel, walk on, and do things with, right?
1: Well, it's so true. And it it means that the Indigenous people themselves have the control and they aren't told what the land is meant to serve for. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I think
0: that's really important. I mean, I've done, you know, a number of interviews on residential schools and addictions. And one of the things that I'm noticing, especially in former residential school students, is they really don't like to be told what to do. And, you know, because it's it's a colonized way of doing things and they, it just kind of brings them back to being disempowered, you know, when somebody says, okay, well, I'll give you this, but you're going to have to do this, you know, for, for it. So I think it's great that, you know, the land gets back. I mean, it, it still needs to have some kind of, um, uh, I guess, activity attached to it, you know, so if it's for arts and creation, cultural um, storytelling or whatever, but it should have a specific purpose because I think if you just give land without any purpose, part of it loses its meaning because you want to, you want to continue, right? So the whole idea is to, to continue the culture, to continue that, that um, sacredness that we indigenous people have to the land and part of that is knowing that you know part of the gift includes the ideas of how to maintain that culture whether it is through artistic uh, direction whether it's cultural or language um, strengthening you know that type of thing but it it I think it needs to have an activity attached
1: to it. You're absolutely right. Yes. Yes. I love that word purpose. Yes. Yeah. Just delighted to say that recently I had a heat pump installed with the thought that the Victoria Native Friendship Center, which will have title to this place, on Gonzales Hill in mm-hmm. the Victoria area that will have energy just about as clean as possible oh. when it comes to heat. Mm, yes. And is it oil or is it propane? Uh, we we got rid of our oil furnace and oil tank. Yes. And it's um it's it's considered to be clean energy, so it, it takes the, um, it's it's um from energy from the earth that, that is transformed into water that runs through the radiators that are 100 years old this year, <laughs> and I was told that the radiator system will last longer than this very fine heat pump. <laughs> I guess there's some older technology that can match mm. up. Yes. No, that's
0: that's really, I mean, that's a good thing to have done if you're passing the house down to someone, you know, so it's kind of taking care of them in the future still,
1: right? Oh yeah.
0: Yes. It's kind of nice. I think last week when we were talking, I wanted to just you know, have our listeners know a little bit about you. And one of the questions I asked was, how is it that you and your husband have such a generous heart in giving this land back? You know, like, what, you know, what was the discussion you had between you and your husband as you're discussing
1: to do this? Well, the, the, it wasn't until that time of the Oka crisis that we started looking into the deeper meaning of what land is all about. Mm-hmm. We we loved the farm and the beautiful Nashwalk Valley on the outskirts of of Fredericton in a community called Pennyac. The, but it wasn't until that crisis brought us together with indigenous people we'd never met before that we realized we were on unceded land. Mm-hmm. So in a way, we, we in those days, we called it land return. Yeah. And uh, the, I guess it, calling it land return in certain situations maybe should be distinguished from land back and that land back is considered by some to apply to land that's only going to reserves. Mm -hmm. So um, it'll be defined over time, I think. Yes. We didn't call it a gift. We just called it return, that we had been given that gift of stolen land ourselves, (laughs) so we were simply returning it. Right. Yes, that is,
0: yeah, it's good that you made that distinction, because I, we did talk a little bit about land back and, and land return. And it's, yeah, and I was a little bit confused. I didn't know what the distinction was.
1: And, and now that land in New Brunswick, because the New Brunswick government has charging property tax on an indigenous charity that's classified as the first Aboriginal church in Canada to be so acknowledged. And also as a, a nature preserve, it, it should not be levied property tax. But the, um, the, the government made comments like we've sent up an inspector and the three houses are not the average person's idea of a church. And they also commented that anyone can put up a no hunting license and felt that it didn't qualify <laughs> nature preserved, even though that it has been treated that way now for, I think, about 50 years. Mm. So the um, we're in the process. Of finding a way of returning that land to the Saint Mary's Willistoke First Nation, Mm -hmm. which is almost an ex an next door neighbor. Mm. Wow, that's
0: really so so the part of the process to return the land is those specific First Nations created or or identified themselves as a church, or was it formally,
1: did they formally create a church? Well, because of efforts to try to meld what's now called Indigenous law with Canadian law, a charity was formed, and um, the, the term Aboriginal church is what was used. Yeah, it's not the way my native friends would have expressed it, but they, it meant that there were wonderful sweat lodges even in the winter time. Yeah, and uh, and healing ceremonies and talking circles. Yes, and there there was beautiful healing going on, and it, it's such a disappointment that the New Brunswick government. Did not acknowledge that. Because they wanted to tax it, right? (laughs) Right. It's a difference between Indigenous protocol and and settler society law. Yeah. And so often these misunderstandings are based on ignorance, and sometimes they're based on outright racism. Mm, mm,
0: Yes. So... The um, the church was actually a charity then, right? But then they had to identify as a church so that they can attempt to get tax-free. But the house and property itself was still under fee simple, right? So it was treated like any
1: other property. That's right, yes. But it's zoned agricultural, and I had pointed out that the because fiddlehead ferns are a major agricultural source of food for mm. indigenous people in New Brunswick. and my husband, with um doing research as a professor at the University of New Brunswick, had managed to find ways with a graduate student of propagating fiddlehead fern so it could be treated as an agricultural crop. Mm-hmm. and when he when he attended a, a conference in Scotland, he was told that it, it was the largest fiddlehead cultivated plantation in the world. so uh, the we we had thought that could possibly help the situation with the New Brunswick law yep. the um, it, it didn't seem to make a difference
0: oh that's too bad that's disappointing I mean I mean it's always you know when we look at the bureaucracy to you know sometimes you know like what you're attempting to do is a reconciliation with indigenous peoples and their land and then to get it muddled in bureaucracy
1: it kind of takes it away a bit doesn't it (laughs) yes here we are smiling but you are absolutely right yeah more than a bit
0: yes yeah that's that's shame um yeah as i you know look at the whole discussion on reconciliation i look at um you know, often people are asking me, what can I do? What can I do? And I refer them to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission for them to actually go back and read it. And Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, I don't know if you've been following CBC, but CBC has been, I forget which program it is, but they've been reading some of the um, um calls to action through under the um, truth and reconciliation report and they they're actually reading reading them and they're discussing how many of them have been uh, attended to you know how many has the government taken seriously and the government i think you know out of the 190 is it 194 calls to action uh-
1: ninety four.
0: Yeah, so out of that, I think they've only done less than four. Like it's not that many at all. like and it's it's quite a shame. Um, as you know, we're in a federal election at this moment, and none of the candidates are talking, I mean they talk about indigenous issues blank, like a blanket, but they're not talking specifics nobody is saying, well, we're looking at the truth and reconciliation, we're going to make a commitment to address all the calls for action. And we're going to give the, the funding to develop those calls for action, because some of them will need some funding. But the government is not talking about that. And the election is actually coming up, you know, really shortly and
1: nothing. Yes, before the election was called, I heard Prime Minister Trudeau say it would be about climate change and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Many people were thinking also about housing and homelessness Mm -hmm. and a number of issues that are so important. Yes.
0: But it doesn't seem like they're just dis- they're discussing any of that. I haven't seen anything. I mean, I, I saw a little bit on their policy, the uh, Liberal government's policy on evening out the uh, the land um, land ownership so that it makes it easier for home time first time buyers. Mm. But I don't think that's enough because right now well especially in victoria vancouver young people in their 20s they won't be able to afford a house mm. it's just out of their reach even even a small starter home like there's is, there is nothing i remember when i bought my first condo in edmonton it was only And I remember the the real estate agent phoning me late at night saying your offer was accepted. And I thought, Oh, my God, now I'm going to be in debt forever. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was and I was a single parent. So I, you know, I was doing this on my own. And I was really scared that all of a sudden, Uh I was tied into a mortgage. But now, you know, couples in their 20s, they're not going to be able to afford a down payment, and I don't know mm-hmm. what the government is doing about that. I mean, there are so many
1: homeless people, and is uh, the growing gap between the haves and the have-nots? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. yes. The, the um, it's ironic that the NDP is campaigning on taxing the ultra-rich not not nearly the rich <laughs> yes yeah yeah exactly and
0: so what does that so what does that do like i don't i don't understand their platform so if they tax the ultra rich the ultra rich you know when i hear the ultra rich i think of rockefeller trump and those types of people bill gates it does
1: and, nothing and- for them Yes, I I understand it's, it translates as 10 million. And yet there are people with 2 million that should be paying higher tax. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it really is baffling. I think that,
0: um, I don't know, you know, like I, I, I believe that, you know, the, the issue of social needs, there needs to be a better, a better paradigm for that, because there's people that get lost in the cracks that don't get, you know, their issues don't get addressed. And uh, I remember I, I had made a donation to the, um, the Friendship Centre, the Ottawa Friendship Centre here in Ottawa. And one of the things I did before I made the donation for them was I asked them exactly what did they do with their donations? you know, how is it spent? And they said they, I said, how is it spent with respect to homeless people? Do you offer any services to them? And she said, yes, we do. They offer like laundry facilities. So they they're able to wash their clothes. They have showers there. They provide meals. So that made sense to me. So I knew that whatever donation I gave them would directly help them. Right. So I'm always looking at when you're looking at donation, how does it directly helps help and impact the
1: individual? And for me that. Yeah. The native friendship center in Victoria looks after about 50 families, as far as housing is concerned. Mm-hmm. And they're also involved in the healing addictions. Mm-hmm. So they, um, I, I think they're just wonderfully centered on the not only helping in a physical way, but they're helping restore the culture and a sense of dignity. Mm. Well, that is so, like,
0: for me, that is really paramount, you know, teaching, well, teaching people to treat people humanely, you know, so that they don't overlook that we are all humans, right? And we we need the um, um, being able to just protect the dignity of people, you know, so... uh, for me, you know, the Odawa Friendship Center offering laundry facilities for homeless people is something that restores dignity. Mm-hmm. They can wash their clothes and they can have showers there. And when you, when you have a shower and, and have clean clothes, you feel great. You know,
1: it can be just rags, but it's clean and you feel like human, right? Oh, yes. And before the lockdown, anytime you'd go to an event at the Friendship Center, there'd always be food, and it was always free. Membership is a dollar a person. Yeah. And the there was just such a wonderful intermingling. Mm. And the the same thing is meant to occur here on, on this land on Gonzales Hill, where before the lockdown, the, in, in this case where we're tucked into a neighborhood, that we would have a monthly book circle focusing on mm-hmm. indigenous authors,
0: Ooh, nice. and a monthly
1: writing circle, and a weekly art circle. Mm. The art circle would be small enough that we'd usually have it around the dining room table Mm-hmm. Or in good weather, we could have quite a few more out of doors. Mm. And then the, uh, there'd be garden events from a book launch with indigenous inclusion yeah. to um, exchanging native plants mm. or um, medicinal plants. And uh, just a wonderful range of activities and with your keenness on storytelling I think we're about to have a storytelling circle.
0: Wow that's that's really great I mean I like I mean I'm really fond of storytelling because it tells our story but I think I developed the fondness for it because my father was a really Amazing storyteller. And someone just reminded me recently, they said, you know, I knew your father. And, you know, he would pick berries and then make jam and then make bannock. Then he'll make tea. And then he'll say, Kuh, let's go. Let's let's sit down and tell stories. You know, so he will tell stories. And his stories were really captivating. And And it was so nice to hear, you know, and so storytelling, we each have our own story that we bring into this, this uh, society. And our stories are what we paint, how we paint the world, right? It's through our stories. It's a different canvas than, than an artist with watercolors. It's, It's through our voice, and some of us, it's through our songs, and um, it connects us. You know, uh, last year, I had two members of my family pass away, and Mm -hmm. I was sad, and I was shocked, but I, I wasn't really emotional, and then my brother had posted a Dene prayer song, from Northwest Territories and it was when i was hearing that song the drum that it opened up the emotions in me and then i was able to to bring that out and cry for for my brother and sister that passed um, and it's so interesting how the 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 drumming speaks to us mm. because it's our heartbeat right and it's their heartbeat and it was when I opened myself to the drumming, I opened my heart mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was really it surprised me because i didn't like i didn't expect i always loved the Dene songs I really liked the softness of it and but I never expected my heart to be open like that and when it happened i I was startled because uh, whoa, you know like. How did I keep in that emotion? You know, it's almost like our head takes over, and we push down our emotions so we don't feel. Mm-hmm. And um, having the the drum open up the heart in that way, it was. Um, I think that was just in the way it's supposed to be. And mm-hmm. I because. Because of the pandemic, we didn't have the normal wake and funeral, you know, um, for my brother and my sister. And the funerals, because we, we are Catholic, it's, it runs three days. So three days of praying and, and um, singing. And so it's through that process that you're able to go through your grieving process right and and let that grief out but because we didn't have that i didn't allow myself to grieve and it wasn't until like i said that i heard the drumming song that i opened myself up to it and was able to grieve for my my sister and my brother and uh, and just the year before my sister and my brother died, my youngest brother had passed away. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just prior to the pandemic, I lost a brother. And then I lost another brother and my oldest sister. So a lot of grief. And you kind of, I mean, I expected to be experiencing grief because being the youngest in the family, everybody's older. And it's just a Mm -hmm. natural part of life that people are going to pass away. So I expected it. But whether you expect it or not,
1: you still experience grief. Right? Mm. So it's, yeah. And I, I love the thought of life being eternal, and the, um, the, we may lose them to human sight, but we can know that the Creator is embracing everything that's spiritual about them, Mm -hmm. all that love and all that good energy. Yeah. Well, the way I look at life,
0: I look at it in, in a form of like natural law because Indigenous people, we don't separate ourselves from nature because we are nature. And part of life is the, the um the changes right you know when when we have fall as we are into fall now the trees and the plants are going to start going to sleep and then we'll have winter and they'll be hibernating through the winter and then come spring they'll be reborn or just kind of re they'll reintroduce themselves back into our life. So they just change they never die they just change And I think with humans, it's the same thing, we don't die, we'll just change, our energy will change. And we will be whatever the next thing is, we'll transform into whatever that's going to be. It's just a change in energy. And I look at, um, you know, when my mother died. I mean, they say when your mother dies, that's one of the things that you people explained to me that will be the most difficult because she's the person Mm -hmm. that gave you life. And then, so when she passed away, it was hard, but how I learned to accept it was that she is in me because I am her as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Because we are, we really are the same. Like the, the blood that she had, ran through my blood. And so we are the same. So she continues to exist through me and any grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-grandchildren. She'll continue to exist in eternity. As, as long as there's grandchildren coming, my mm-hmm. mom will continue to exist. So I look at it in that way. So it's not the end and that it's actually a continuation. So, So we will continue to live and exist not in the form that we are aware of now, but something different. And who's who knows, it could be better. It could be worse. Who knows? We don't know, but that's the beauty of life. We don't know. Like we don't need to know everything.
1: I I was blessed to be with my mother when she passed on. I told her she was like a beautiful bird flying over the horizon Mm. and, the wonderful sense of her lovingness that is just with me every day and i'm sure you feel that too
0: mm-hmm. with
1: your mother yes i do and i particularly you know
0: feel the connection when i'm teaching my son my son danny i hear her her voice and how she you know when i'm trying to say words I think of her saying it and it's through, as I connect with her, I'm able to pronounce the words better. So it's, it's, it's through that connection, right? Because, you know, as I pray with smudge, I pray to the ancestors, my ancestors, and, and I pray to my mom, my, my grandparents, my great grandparents, and I ask them for help and guidance and, particular to remember the culture as they remembered it you know so to pass it down to to my son and so it's in the remembering of them that keeps them alive and it's in remembering the language because we're all connected through language and language is really how we get to understand our culture because so much is lost in translation. If you're converting to English, you lose some of that connection. And what's really embedded in the in the language is the spirit
1: of the culture. We've named this place the Chickawich Sacred Land. Mm. It's on a bay that has traditionally been called Chikawich and the village around the bay that centuries ago was called Chikawich mm-hmm. so that we appreciate combining the the honoring of the land with an indigenous name
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then it's called Chikawich Sacred Land mm-hmm. because of the sacred burial sites on yes. the hill here mm-hmm. So sometimes it helps in bridging the cultures to combine the two languages. Yes,
0: yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I know more and more First Nations are are going to, you know, are changing their name to their Indigenous names. So sometimes I'm looking at, um, you know, First Nations across Canada, and I'll say, oh, I don't recognize that name, but it's because they've adopted their Indigenous name. And mm-hmm. I like that. I like that uh, way of acknowledging the, the ancestors through recognizing the Indigenous names of things.
1: And along with land back and land return, the, I think as it progresses, there there could be a way of. Providing funding to perpetuate that land in Indigenous hands. And the, in the, the situation here, there will be a bequest with what's called a sustainability fund mm. with the Victoria Native Foundation, with the Victoria Foundation, mm. so that over time, any applicable taxes. And we're hoping in the spirit of reconciliation that there will be no property tax. But if there is, it would be covered by the fund. And also it's intended to cover insurance and basic maintenance. Yeah. And um, I'd like to think that there can be examples across Canada whereby people who want to return land can find that there are ways of perpetuating the maintenance costs over the generations mm. so that land isn't lost. Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely critical
0: because as you know, you know you can get muddled in in the overburden of taxation, right? Well, uh, right. And maintenance, like you were saying just earlier, you replaced um, your heat pump. And, but there's always something with the house. Like a, we live in old house and there's always something we replaced the roof just a couple of years ago,
1: mm-hmm. just
0: prior to the tornado that hit the area. So we were lucky, um, but there's always something. Mm-hmm. And then um, but I think what you're doing is great. I think, I mean, land means so much to Indigenous people. I really, I mean, we talked a little bit about, um, I mean, where I live now is on unceded on Algonquin territory. And we talked last time that you and I talked, we talked about the fact that we purchased this land that was previously owned by a surveyor of reserve lands across Canada, Samuel Bray. And, and I just find that it's so good that I own this land because I'm an indigenous person, you know, so it's, it's kind of good that, that I own this piece of land that he got. I don't know how these surveyors, you know, get the land. He, he bought a hundred acres along the river. Um, But now in the last 25 years, it has been in indigenous hands, my hands, you know, and Mm -hmm. I, I find that really satisfying. And I, and I, I really, you know, like I do take care of the land, the trees, uh, make sure that the, um, the respect for the property, when we, when we bought the property, they used it almost like a dump yard. There was junk everywhere—wires, cans, old containers. Like it was used as a junkyard, and I and I thought, well, this is so disrespectful, you know. So we uh-huh. cleaned up that that land so that it's the natural beauty of it exists. I
1: was thinking of this family that I've heard about that the um, the elderly mother would like to have it be part of land back or land return. And the four children have mixed sentiments because they could see that if it's sold, it would benefit them monetarily. Mm. And I'm wondering if there's some way of building up a fund whereby people who would like to return land can do it in a way that makes it affordable. And yet the um, the next generation can benefit somewhat from what they feel is an entitlement to mm. a monetary inheritance. So it's something to keep in mind. Yes. Oh, yes.
0: I I think so. You know, and I've been thinking about it, since we last spoke and i'm trying to think about a way that because it would be so awesome i guess if people more and more people did this give back land to to first nations and it would be nice to have a and i was even trying to think you know in my foundation is could there be a section in the foundation that i currently have that could help people that are considering land back, you know, is there some way I can incorporate that into the foundation, either develop a course for, you know, like the process, because, I mean, you've been doing the process and it's a long process as you go through uh, the various stages to, to give the land back. And you have to deal with municipalities, you have Mm. to deal with communities you know, how is it that we can do this so that people can have a, a roadmap, as it were, to giving back the property?
1: That is a beautiful idea, Angelina. And <laughs> I was thinking of this couple I haven't met, but they want to they they contacted me through the um editor of the our local Oak Bay News. Mm. about the this land being returned. Yeah. The they said they would like to do that with their place at Gordon Head up Island, that when they pass on, so we're trying to find a way of being in touch with an elder at, at the closest reserve. Mm. And in their case it, it may be that there would just be legal expenses. But quite often, it it can cost quite a lot to yes. to um, to get involved with such wonderful endeavors. Mm. I'm just so glad you you may have the answer well, to help bridge the monetary gap there. Well, I mean, I I'm
0: definitely thinking about it, like trying to figure out how it will work, because I know I I had followed some other ladies that do podcasts and they were looking, they were Métis and they're looking at um, getting some land and they were purchasing land. um, And somebody gave them money to buy land that they could use for their purpose. So that's one way of doing it where people can just be given the funds to buy the, buy the land and and just slowly, we can just buy back all the land. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, I mean, it, it's certainly easier than giving property because property, there's a lot of um, different obstacles to giving property and how it will be used, et cetera, et cetera. But, but I'll continue thinking about it because I think, I mean, I like, I mean, I the foundation is new. I mean, I've only, it's only been in my mind and actual created in the past year. So it's, I'm just, um, you know, I've I've only finally been able to raise the $10,000 to develop the first course because it takes, Mm -hmm. it takes $10,000 to develop an accredited online course that First Nations can can do can take my goal for this year is to develop six courses so that'll Mm. be like year one um if if we can develop six courses for year one it gives first nations a better chance of getting funded to take the courses because Mm. it actually will lead to um credits for university so it's transferable and they can put it towards an undergrad degree in social work or whatever um, so that's the goal Um it's but it's a slow process you know it's I'm really you know I, I'm just relying on friends to give donations little by little and you know finally got to 10,000 and I've I've set a meeting with the writers that we will be meeting to discuss you know the um, creation of the first course and the first course we thought that it would be good to have um, train uh, leaders leadership in communities. so the first course is going to be leaders in training and actually mm-hmm. the abbreviation is lit, which is, Kind I like abbreviations on acronyms for these things. So lit is good because it it's kind of like means light, could mean mm-hmm. literature. So learning. Um, so I have raised enough to do the first course, and we're just in the process of developing that course. And I'm hoping to get some T-shirts so that I can raise more funds through just selling T-shirts, which will serve two purposes one it'll 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 be a walking billboard as people wear the t-shirt right so people will walk around and so it'll be like advertising and it'll raise a little bit of money towards the um the development of courses
1: wonderful and your foundation is called seven gifts Yeah. Seventh, it's
0: S-E-V-E-N-T-H-G-I-F-T dot C-A. So Seventh Gift. Um, And it's um, so it's so exciting. Like, I, I really think that, you know, as we as we get more funding, we can we can do more things. And I want to do things that are actionable so that. You know, people on First Nations uh, reserves, Indigenous people will actually see a benefit to it right away. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. I told you about, um, um, you know, the courses that we're doing with addictions mm, are yeah. primarily our primary goal is to to stop the cycle of addictions within two generations, because if we can start mm-hmm. healing, you know, the individual now, we also heal the future, mm. right? So if we can start heal so we stop the cycle of addictions dependencies in this generation, we stop yeah. that for future de- generations. So it's, it's, yeah. um, I guess it's a big goal. And uh, I, but I'm excited. I think that it can be done. I'm, I guess you can say I'm an optimist, but it's not just the feeling of being optimistic. It's actually doing actionable items, you know, so that I'm actually looking for, you know, when I was talking to a few people this past summer, I mentioned my, 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 Foundation all the time in hopes that they will see that I'm doing something that is worthwhile, that deserves supporting, and that I would get support along the line, you know? So, yeah. You know, you have to just spread the word. And I'm not shy Mm -hmm. about spreading the word because I'm really quite proud of the foundation. (laughs) So, I'm quite proud of our vision, our, I guess I could call it a noble cause. And because it's it's um I mean I can do anything with it mm. that's, that's that's the the um the amazing thing about it is I can do anything with it and it's
1: just the possibilities are endless I love that word action and just this month here in obey the an organization called Reconcili-Action Oak Bay, has been formed. And I'm hoping that they'll be supportive of land return, land back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really, I think, I mean, it's what, you know, after reading about you and what you're doing, you know, with the land back, um, it really inspired me. And I think that it is such an amazing way of of, um, bridging through reconciliation and meeting in the middle with uh, non-Indigenous people and Indigenous people alike. Like, Like if we can have the vision, a joint vision, then there's nothing that's impossible. Like we can continue to do this and change people's lives, right? Mm. I think that's, that's, for me, I mean, just meeting you has changed my life in a way that I, knowing that there are people out there that are non-Indigenous that are doing this. I think once we've acknowledged that, we know there could be more Marians out there,
1: right? Well, <laughs> I love the multiplicity of activities you are involved in. The blessing, not just Canada, but the whole planet. It's so inspiring. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. And it's just such a blessing to be here on Lekwungen sacred land. Mm. And once in a while, I recall the first two years I was here, I could not bear to look out at the Salish Sea without tears in my eyes. I'd look out and then I'd have to turn around because it was so painful to think of being on land that I felt I wasn't entitled to be on. Mm -hmm. And it's so wonderful to know that it is working out for it to return to indigenous hands for the generations to come. And it'll be a way of building cultural bridges with the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It's just so important that we harmonize with one another. I agree. I agree. I think that
0: a lot of good can come out of partnerships. I'm always about looking at how can I partner with people? How can, because one person can't do it alone. And I'm finding that, you know, the foundation, it seems to be just me. I do have some board board members, but the work has to be done by somebody. And I'm the kind of person that if I have an idea, I want it done. So I just go ahead and do it. And that used to get me in trouble a lot when I was uh, chair for Nietzsche Institute, because I would just do it and then ask for <laughs> permission after. <laughs> so you can't do it that way. You have to, you know, go through a process. And But I don't, I find waiting can, if you wait too long, sometimes it never gets done, mm. right? Because people oh, tend yeah. to, um, it looks too big and, they, and too cumbersome that, they can't do it. But I like looking at things in bite sizes. So if you have a little bite, mm-hmm. you can do, cut off a piece of it and just do what you can today. And then eventually you get the whole piece done. So that's the way I, I like to work. So I'll just do a little bit at a time and eventually get it all done. But I'm, I think my brain works more in actionable items like I look at, okay, is this activity bringing me closer to my goal? And if it is, then I'll put all my energy into it. But if it isn't, then I need to cut back a little bit. But it's all about results. Hmm. Maybe it was from being in government, although it seems like a a misnomer because people (laughs) sometimes think government doesn't, doesn't actually get things done. But with the government, when I was working with the government, you know, you look at res- results. Like you look at what what are you trying to achieve? How are you going to get there? And put in a roadmap to actually get there. So I just kept that, or maybe it's from being a teacher. I don't know how where I get that, or it could be from that I am indigenous. Danne, my mom was like a, a drill sergeant. She had to be with all the children. <laughs> so maybe that's where I get my my energy from to get things done. But uh, I'm just noticing the time and we're we're just over an hour. And I want to give you a chance, Marion, before we close off. Is there anything I can help you with?
1: Well, the that, that beautiful. Thought of trying to find a way of incorporating land back and land return, as it's sometimes called, uh, into your foundation, I think that would be a wonderful step in the right direction for Canada and North America, maybe other countries where there are Indigenous people that have been losing land that ought to return it where the treaty process is so slow, it would help balance the treaty pro- process.
0: Mm. Wow. Well, it, it sounds like a challenge.
1: <laughs> a
0: it, it sounds like a challenge that I'm willing to take. Like as, as I w- was talking about it, I was kind of thinking, you did introduce me last week to a friend of yours. I think it's Kathy. Kathleen, Kathleen, yes. And so maybe I will after we're done the this podcast, I will continue to be in touch with you. And what we could do is develop a committee, just a small committee, and explore ideas of um, how we can develop this so that it we can create a process for people interested in land back to to make it easier for them to do that, to accomplish that.
1: And I think
0: think a small committee would be would be good. And maybe I can I can convince my husband to to sit in on the committee since he is an indigenous lawyer. I don't mean he's indigenous, but he's works on indigenous land claims and treaty rights for his whole career, but he would know what we can and can't do
1: legally, (laughs) you know, so what will make it easier. If there's time, I should just pass across the screen this illustration of the third place that's part of the land return. Okay. Am I holding it properly? Yeah, you just have to put it
0: up just a little bit more, about an inch more. Okay, perfect.
1: Yeah. And that wolf is a symbol of family to the Salish. And I love to think that we're all family. Mm. And there are lots of plants and, and fruit trees. We're focusing on nutritious edibles there
0: yeah
1: oh my that's that's beautiful be a healing place with the shady meadow being a lovely spot for small gatherings with healing in mind yes oh my god that that is beautiful i
0: love i love the watercolor i love the um the idea of what
1: what you're trying to capture in your art it's it's beautiful well, it's just such a blessing to be in touch with you, and thank you so much for carrying it even farther than I might have dreamed. Mm, well, I,
0: you know, you you've lit the fire, or the lamp, you know, as it were, to, so that I can see there's a possibility, and and I'm giving you credit for that because your generosity is what inspires me. And I really thank you. And I'm honoured that you've taken time, not just this morning to help me um, and to have this conversation with me, but, you know, our conversations last week and before, and we will definitely stay in touch and let's make this work. Um, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm the person that likes to get things done. So if I say I'm going to do this, I will find a way to do it that is workable for everybody. Well, thank you so much, Marion, for joining me in this conversation. I think people will be inspired by you as I have been. And I really love that you have such a golden heart. <laughs> like you, I mean, I can just tell that you want to do something. And I know you felt bad that you were living on stolen land. And you've acknowledged that. And you want to, through reconciliation, give back to First Nations. And it that's a start to, to where we'll, who knows how we'll finish off. But this is a good start. And thank you so much, you know, giving me your time and being part of this conversation. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And I just want to acknowledge that the music for the podcast is done by my cousin. Uh, he's a Dené from North from Saskatchewan. The artwork on the on the um, the cover is done by my brother, who is an Indigenous artist, and um, I just and the editing is done by my granddaughter so i you know that's all part of just giving back giving an opportunity for others to be involved in my projects mm. i believe in sharing and acknowledging people so that everybody has an opportunity to to be acknowledged and appreciated
1: beautiful yes gratitude is one of the most wonderful words. And when it's expressed, it's more wonderful. Mm, So true. And I can go on forever and talk to you forever. But I know
0: you have things to do. And I must get back to doing things that that I need to do as well. But I am so enjoying our conversations. And I thank
1: you so much. Yes. I I shouldn't tell you Angelina I was going to compliment you on your beautiful, the beautiful red bow and your hair, and then I realized it's what's behind you. Oh yes. It, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, oh my God. That's cute.
1: <laughs> well, all the best and you too. My gratitude. Yes. And
0: one day, like I say, I will show up for tea. And uh, we'll have a face to face visit when the pandemic that would be is
1: done. Wonderful. Oh, I hope we get Linda many guns here at the same time. Yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you, Marion. Have a pleasant day. Oh, you've made it a lovely day and may it continue well for you. Thank you. Bye bye. Um,